Before we start today's episode, there's something important for agencies seeking a reliable way to attract new business, especially during busy periods. I want to introduce you to Leaflow Sprint. It's an eight-week program that simplifies your marketing and consistently attracts the attention of potential clients without requiring a massive marketing budget or external sales teams. With my 17 years of experience in aiding agencies to gain visibility in new clients, this program offers a practical and effective approach to lead generation. Forget about unpredictable leads and embrace a method that works across different agency sizes. And if you're keen to learn more, you need to visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra. Now let's get into today's episode. Hi there, and welcome to the Caffeine Espresso podcast. Today, my guest is Lorraine Ball. After spending too many years in corporate America, Lorraine said goodbye to the bureaucracy, glass ceilings and bad coffee to follow her passion, helping small business owners succeed. Today, this successful entrepreneur, author and professional speaker and host of the marketing podcast, More Than A Few Words, brings creative ideas, practical tips, and decades of real-world experience to every conversation. As the founder of Digital Toolbox Club, she helps business owners use internet marketing to grow. And so if you're interested in taking a do-it-yourself approach to digital marketing, or you simply want to be more knowledgeable enough to ask the right questions before hiring a professional, you want to listen into this conversation about how to use online tools to grow your audience in an authentic and supportive way to your marketing agency. So Lorraine, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Um, So can you uh, just give me a bit of background in terms of uh, Roundpeg and what kind of agency it was, what your role was there? So when I started Roundpeg, we were a traditional agency because 19 years ago, that's what you did. And our target audience were primarily small businesses. Our clients were a lot of home service professionals. We did a lot of other things, but if if you talked about our sweet spot, that's where we were. And started building websites, started doing more online marketing. Until then, I was kind of the the postcard queen. Every one of my small business clients, that's what we recommended for them very early on. And we had a great sense of humor and lots of fun with it. And then started building websites. We still did graphic design. We still designed logos and branding packages. But a lot of our efforts were going to online marketing, both for our clients and then also for ourselves. And in February of this year, I actually sold the agency. I kept the podcast and some of the online training, but it it was definitely time to branch off and do some other things. But I loved, loved the whole creative design process and it's still kind of fun to do. Well, congratulations on the sale of the company. And um, I think one thing that's really interesting for me is that you've seen this industry shift from direct mail being a primary way of marketing uh, businesses to online and mm-hmm. you've had to adapt accordingly and and so has your uh, a new business efforts on your own behalf as well I'm sure so one of the things we were talking about a lot before uh, we hopped on the call when we were talking over email was around um, this concept of a conversion event which can sound um, completely irrelevant for um, 
a graphic design agency, an agency who terms themselves graphic and uh, brand and packaging design first and foremost. But I think it's really important for everybody because whether it's online or off, conversion events exist for all businesses. So can you give us a little rundown of, of what that means and um, yeah, what typically an agency conversion event might be? So a conversion event is simply getting your prospective customer to put their hand up and say, I want to learn more. And it is getting them to take the next step. In many instances, the next step is not a phone call. It is not a conversation. They're not ready for that. Maybe it's browse, port browse your portfolio. Maybe it's download your branding guide. Maybe it's subscribe to your newsletter or connect with you on LinkedIn or watch a video that you've put together. It is getting them to take that next step. And so when you map out your marketing strategy, you need to think about the process. How do I take someone from random stranger to customer to raving fan? Because there is a step beyond customer. And what is it you want them to do at each step in that journey? And so what can you offer them to help them step over that hurdle and take that next step? As you're talking, I'm just hearing that the majority of the people that I start working with have kind of missed out quite a few of the conversion events right up front, but also that very vital one at the end of the process you just mentioned, which is, you know, I can't remember the stuff off the top of my head, probably it comes to your mind, Gringer, but the, how much easier it is to win uh, business from a referral I think it's like 63% or something is kind of what's coming to mind um, versus cold new business so you know mm -hmm. the conversion events don't end when you've won the project and you've been paid it's out of the studio which I think is really interesting I mean in terms of uh, caffeine clients our conversion events typically tend to be connecting with somebody on uh, LinkedIn then moving them onto an email conversation, mm -hmm. uh, keeping in touch with them uh, in a fairly automated but highly relevant way for uh, whatever period of time it requires until they're ready to jump on a chemistry call. And then, of course, the fun starts because it's not just about that chemistry call, it's about the proposal and the actual working together. And, of course, like you say, making them an advocate for your mm -hmm. agency uh, when you've uh, finished working together. You know, uh, all the years that I ran the business, the very, very best thing that could happen, and literally we just closed a sale because I still do some consulting work for them. A customer looked at a website and our name was at the bottom, designed by Roundpeck. Mm -hmm. And he even called the other company and asked about us and then called and said, I like your work and this is why I'm calling you. And oh, by the way, your other clients said you were great to work with. And so having a process in place when that happens and encouraging that to happen is, is all part of this whole sales funnel conversion cycle. Absolutely. I'm just thinking a couple of agencies spring to mind, one in particular that I really admire in the UK, who when they take on slightly lower value projects than they normally would, um, they make sure that they're their company name is on the uh, the packaging itself, which is really unusual. I don't know about in the US, but seeing the agency who's designed some um, food and drink packaging is not typically uh, visible on the pack itself. Uh, and that I know that's how they win a lot of their new business. Um, so yeah, just making sure that if you're taking on a project that's lower than you expect, making sure you're getting your um, 
yeah your visibility pushed mm -hmm. out there as much as possible I think that's an, an important tip too so sorry go on were you gonna well I was gonna say else? you know one one of the things um when we put um our logo on the bottom and we've been experimenting with this on the one hand we might just drive people to our homepage, but more and more we are shifting that so it takes people to the portfolio because if you're on a website that you like you're obviously and you roll down to the bottom to see who designed it you're obviously looking to learn more about us and very specifically taking you right to that landing page is a good way to kind of go about that so just out of interest, what is the next step once they get to that landing page or, or was for Rampage? So, um, again, it, we, we have multiple landing pages. So for very different, uh, depending on, on how we're driving people. But if you're coming to my portfolio, I want to right up front give you a few examples. But then there's a contact form. We can do this for you. Learn more. Um, on our on our landing pages for our content marketing services for our social media and marketing, that's a that's a tougher sale. People don't always go from, oh, that's what you do to let's talk. And so more prominently on that page, we might have the subscribe to our newsletter. We might have lower down on the page if you get that far, follow us on social media. So, each page we really think about what's the most likely next step if somebody shows up here. We have a services page that um, has some of our packages that are not the bigger projects, but a web checkup, an email kickoff, a little social media starter kit. We actually have a buy now button on those pages because those products are sort of self-contained we can do a very targeted marketing program that just talks about your Google My Business Starter Kit. Well, if you click on that, I'm not gonna drive you to my main website. I'm gonna drive you to a page that just talks about that. That's really interesting. And I think what's important to say to the audience is don't take the examples that Lorraine's giving literally. This You've got to translate this to your own business. But all of this is super valid. And I can think of many examples to each of the points that you've just given in terms of the conversion events for Roundpeg that would qualify for, for some of the clients I'm working with. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear you talk through that. Um, and just a curi out of curiosity, when you drive people, because it's a topic that comes up for me a lot and something I really encourage a lot of clients to think about, doesn't normally sit comfortably with them, is, um, of course, there are always going to be bespoke projects which are, uh, you know, you're going to need to craft uh, a pricing around it. But take, for example, if you had a range of um, pre-packaged products that services that people are able to buy are any of those services that then you need to or in the past needed to actually execute in the studio therefore you need to schedule time for and did you find any challenges around that or did uh was it a case of they were digital downloads so uh, a lot to unpack there <laughs> yeah sorry and we have kind of swerved off slightly <laughs> no but but I'm going to divide into different categories. Yeah. On the one hand, we had some things that you could download that were just resources. So give us your email address, 
here's the check here's the checklist here's oh, got the, you. Here's the like kickoff guide here's here's that kind of you know high level you're just kicking the tires you're really not ready to talk to us yet this is probably your first introduction give me your email address and i'm going to give you something of value and in yeah. exchange i will then get you in my email campaign the service bundles now for high level custom web design work i did not put pricing on the website because yeah. uh you know we we could talk for hours on the range uh of pricing based on the project and also i don't know how to say this nicely um pain in the insert <laughs> word here multiplier but we called it a pia multiplier and you know knew if you had a customer they were going to be that customer but there are certain little service items that we discovered were great intro steps setting up a google my business page we have a whole little program around that um setting up the email template in the first email program doing a diagnostic like a almost like a, you take your car to a dealer yeah. we would do a wordpress checkup you know yeah. check all your plugins those little items we actually listed the prices so when you got on those landing pages you could actually buy the product and then it would immediately become a project and we could roll with it relatively little relatively little variance based on um customer a or customer b we ran through the same steps the process, on, yeah. on on those and then the really high level stuff would just be hey i've got a website great let's have a conversation interesting so you made sure that those um service bundles as you called them when they were available to buy it now so to speak they were always things that could easily be squeezed into the studio because there was a set process around them. I was just mm -hmm. curious if you suddenly got a, a surge of interest in things, whether it ever became a challenge that you'd had the buy it now button on the site, but. Um, so, well, we had, uh, interesting that you should uh, ask that. We actually, with the Google My Business project, we actually signed a contract with a government agency here in Indiana that was using federal money from the the CARES Act, uh, which was the, the US government's part of their money to help businesses that had been negatively impacted by COVID. And when they hired us, they're like, well, we think we're gonna bring you 50 clients. And I'm like, okay, in a month, in six months. And they're like, well, we think we'll start with 10 and then we'd like to do 40 in a month. And then after that, 40 every month. So we really looked at the process. We actually have what I call flex capacity. This is one of the things that has saved me over the years. I have two part-time people that are perfectly happy being part-time, but if we've got a project, both of them have the capability for short bursts to uh, scale, up. scale yeah. up. And I also have several other agencies that we collaborate with because our uptime is their downtime. Yeah. I have never had to turn away a project because I couldn't deliver. We yeah. always figured it out. Okay, cool. That's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to know. And interesting, the correlation between your uptime and their downtime and vice mm -hmm. versa. So just sticking back to conversion, um, I wondered what makes a good conversion page then mm -hmm. and kind of subsequent one to that 
why does everyone need one? Uh, and I'm looking at you design agencies. <laughs> so I, it's up to you which, which order you prefer to take those questions in, whichever you feel lays the scene better. Well, it, I think going back to some of the things that we've talked about earlier, why everybody needs one is not every great customer is on the same schedule. There are all sorts of people out there who may eventually be ready to hire you. And what you need to do is stay on their radar screen. So you've got to have that initial step that they can take to get acquainted, whether it's getting on your email list, downloading information from your website, doing something that allows you to stay in touch while they're going through that planning process. It would be wonderful if everybody who woke up on Monday said, you know what, tomorrow we're going to start our website. In my experience, the vast majority of people think about it on Monday, think about it again on Wednesday, call you, think about it, call you, think about it, call you, think about it, and maybe sometime three months later, you have a contract. You have to have a way of getting in front of them and staying in front of them, and that's where those conversion pages come in. And they don't have to be really hard sell. And that goes to my, my, my design and what makes a great landing page. A great landing page should have one purpose. This is not where you tell everybody everything they need to know about your business. That's what your homepage and the rest of your website is for. The purpose of the landing page is to move that prospect one step in the sales funnel. The purpose of that landing page is to get their email address, their phone number in exchange for whatever it is you're offering so you can continue the conversation. And so to that end, the landing page has one objective, one call to action. You don't you know, have a sign up for the newsletter here, sign up for something else here, watch this. No, the more choices that you offer, the less likely people will be to do anything. So keep it simple. It can be long. I've seen, you know, this is not my style, but I have seen very effective landing pages. Here's what we offer, sign up now. Not convinced? Here's some reasons why you should. Sign up now. Still not convinced? To me, it feels a lot like those late night television commercials. <laughs> and wait, there's more! But, and as obnoxious as that is, they sell those damn knives at 2 a.m., you know? So there's something to it. Um, but the and wait, there's more really still needs to be on your landing page. Sign up for the offer. Give us your email, whatever it is you're looking to do. I almost have the same, this, yeah, what you're saying there really resonates with me and I, I, a few ideas are coming up for me. One of the things that I always encourage clients to think about when we start working together is their homepage, kind of like you just said, almost like the knife salesman without being anywhere near cheesy, of course, but um, addressing the, um, what's the word for it, the uh, the pushback that the prospect might have um, down the page in order of which are the most common uh, mm -hmm 
challenges, most common barriers to entry. And, and typically this end results in us focusing on testimonials and proof of return on investment, which, you know, is just a real challenge for a lot of design agencies. And so you have to be really disciplined to demonstrate ROI. Uh, but it, it, yeah, it rarely seems to fail. Um, and yeah, and I almost take the attitude. It's like you, you, you marking off all of the barriers to purchase throughout mm -hmm. the, the length of that page and almost any page on the site. Um, the other thing that came up as you were talking is something that I speak to my clients about a lot. And actually, I think it's something that we've touched on in the podcast before. Um, but there's a couple of stats. One is of the 100% of people you get in contact, 100 people you get in contact with, 50% are never going to buy from you. And that might be to do with their needs. It might be to do with their pricing, uh, their budgets. It might be to do with um, they have an existing supplier who's amazing already. And that's fine. Like, we've got to stop taking offense when people self-select themselves out. I'd be appreciative that we're not wasting our energy <laughs> by continuing to chase them. So I think that's really important to address. But then furthermore, there's only about 5% of people who are ready to buy at the moment you get in contact with them or in the next three weeks in your kind of time scale of, you know, actually that's, that's quite a short time frame in terms of committing to a project. But then the other 45% are likely to buy from you anywhere between now and the next two years or even beyond that, because mm -hmm. design is often high ticket items. Some of the projects that clients are working on are over, you know, six figures and over. So it's not something that you just do on a whim uh, mm -hmm. and therefore all the more reason to keep in touch. And then there's another screenshot, which I keep on my desktop as a constant reminder to myself and everybody else, which is this idea that. 46% of 44% uh, of salespeople give up after one no, 22% give up after two no's, 40% after three no's, 12% after four no's, but 80% of prospects say no four times before they say yes. And for me, what you talk about staying, you know, front of mind on their radar screen, we call that the keep in touch strategy. Mm -hmm. And effectively a no doesn't have to be somebody saying to me, me charlotte no it could be just ignoring my email mm -hmm. but at some point it is going to resonate and they're going to be thinking oh yes she is that person for that thing and it's all going to connect together which is the reason it's so important and we need to get over the uh fear of uh keeping on their radar i don't know if you feel like it's a it's a hesitation in the us but certainly it's a very british thing to uh take no <laughs> for an answer and move on um you yeah. know, it's really, it's really interesting because I've lived in different places in the United States and um, I'm in Indiana right now, which is, is very polite. I, I think a lot of Brits would feel at home here. I'm, origin <laughs> I'm originally from New York. I'm not polite. You know, I get that. But there is that they don't want to hurt your feelings. And so, well, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. And you need to learn to listen for that. You, you need to, you also need to know when to sort of give up or to reduce the amount of energy you put towards something. But I, I have people who are on my email list. I've been sending an email newsletter since 2002. I have people that have been on my email list since 2002. I send an email every week and those people still open my email. Now- You might not have spoken to them. I might not have spoken to them, but they are still opening. They're still clicking. And I will, we finished a, we're launching a web project. And the guy called me and he said, I have been following you for five years. 
I read your blog posts, I get your newsletter. Here's my check. I'm ready. <laughs> Five years. And so had we given up, I mean, I certainly wasn't calling him and knocking on his door for five sure. years, but I was sending him a regular email. I was active on social media and he could see me and go, when I'm ready, that's who I want to talk to. That's who I want to work with. Um, you know, for, for the design side of our business, we routinely show off um, as long as the client will allow new logos, new websites, work that we have done. And we tag the customers and they enjoy being acknowledged. And we get a lot of conversions based on someone going, I saw you just did that logo for and, and so, yeah. 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 So another aspect of keeping in touch is um, showing off your most recent work. And I think these things have different different roles in different places. Like I'd be more uh, willing to share work on social media and then maybe keep the the emails that we send out focused on mm -hmm. the client's challenges and, and mm -hmm. you know, addressing issues that they're facing or at least flexing a case study that we've got to mm -hmm. illustrate how it could work for multiple people or address mm -hmm. a particular problem that's right, happening right now. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the challenge is a lot of people when they start thinking about new business, it's because they have an urgent need for it. They realize maybe they've got three more months of cash flow to keep the lights and the office on and to studio rather and um, to keep paying people. Um, but then they need some clients. And I know it's easy for me to say, but you kind of need to be thinking about it a year in advance just for this very reason that mm -hmm. it takes time to percolate through and the highest quality leads who've self-selected them into your, your little world and you know continuing to receive those emails what are we now 2019 years on from when they may have subscribed mm -hmm. um five years 19 years whatever they may just be ready now but the point is if you keep showing up and it doesn't have to be tailored to those individual people but if you keep showing up on a regular basis then it will pay off at some point so mm -hmm. sorry guys it's not there's no short fixes <laughs> no but i i think you're i think your point that you need to be thinking now about what are you going to sell next year yeah is so critical you know if there's anything that we learned in the last year and a half it's that even your sure bets aren't sure bets i you know last april when everything in the us was shutting down and we because again, we were a mixed agency. We did content and we did design, you know, the, our content clients included graphic design work, included web design, included social media. And we had four of our clients that called and said, yeah, we're done. You know, I had a restaurant, I had a school, I had a theater. They were all great clients. It was all great work, but they were closed. Yeah. And had we not had this pipeline and this engine always kind of churning, the second half of last year would have been ugly. And it wasn't my favorite year, but it also wasn't, um, it wasn't a complete loss. Mm, which very sadly it will have been for some people, um, especially if they're specializing in a particular area that suffered particularly badly. Um, 
so just thinking back on the positive about mm-hmm. what <laughs> what makes a good conversion page i wonder do you have any uh, common mistakes or quick wins in terms of um making sure that uh, you're you're getting people through to the action that you want them to take so i think this is probably where great designers struggle the most because beautiful landing pages do not necessarily work as well as a little bit more hard sell. And I know we've had it, you know, with our own designers where we've struggled because you have to be a little bit more in someone's face to get them to take the action. But the page doesn't have to be ugly, but your button, your call to action button needs, you can't bury it at the bottom of the page. If you've driven somebody to a page and you want them to sign up, get that conversion form at the top of the page. Uh, The button needs to be in all caps. I know, I know. It feels like I'm shouting at you. I get that. Uh, What I tell people is I'm sort of the E.E. Cummings of marketing. Everything I do is in lowercase. I like the aesthetic. My, uh, all the businesses that I've owned and all the the brands that I've created for my own personal are all lowercase. And I'm lowercase wherever possible, except on call to action buttons. Because if you spend money to drive somebody to a landing page, if you invest resources to get them there, it's okay to yell a little. Do this. You showed up, click here, do this. And I think that's the biggest mistake that I see across the board, but particularly with great designers where they they want to be subtle and elegant. And I have complete respect for that aesthetic. I love, I love the subtle, the elegant, lots of white space. But when you're building a landing page, you need to be a little pushier. And how do you feel about um other distractions on the page? Because I guess I, I don't always use all caps on my buttons but what I do do is make there just be one call to action repeated down the page as they're uh I'm removing the barriers to them progressing to the next stage you know going back to that kind of (laughs) nice salesman kind of approach to a landing page but also removing headers and footers as well in any other (laughs) navigation just to make sure that it's as simple and and frictionless as possible I I take off as much of the distractions as I can I frequently Again, it depends on what the purpose of the landing page is, is if it's just to download something or register for a class, I'm going to rip off everything. If it's more of a primary point of entry into the business, I may keep the logo, which will then take them to the rest of the website. I will also test pages. I think that's more than the design of the page itself is that analysis. Create two versions of the page. Invest equal energy in driving traffic and measure your results. Which one worked? Mm. Uh, We use on our website, we use uh, the elegant theme, the Divi Builder, and there is actually a way to do A-B testing. So we, I had an uh, argument with I had a heated discussion (laughs) with one of my designers uh, on a landing page. She wanted to do it one way. I wanted to do it another way. And 
we did A-B testing and, and kind of watched the results. And we discovered that we were, we were wasting time arguing about nothing because both worked equally well. You know, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was just one of the, it really was, was more personal preference rather than I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, I'm wrong. But without the data, we would never have been sure. You'd never have known. And I, this is really interesting, interesting to me because as somebody who's worked the majority of my time in creative agencies, but then partly in tech as well, where, you know, dominance of A-B testing, you wouldn't even think to launch anything without having A-B tested multiple different variations of things uh, mm-hmm. along the way uh, during the beta phase. Um, and I, I, I see a lot of agencies throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, when it comes to lead generation and say, it's not working, nothing's happening. Be like, guys, okay, the mechanics are all here. We need to take a step back. And it, for me, it's mostly the wording. It's rarely to do with the, the visual aspect with the kind of clients that we're working with. It's normally to do with the wording and making it more concise or more assertive or, mm. yeah, shouty dare I say little shout shout. instructive because we're in the 21st century like people's attention spans (laughs) are so short and yeah you you need to be so clear so I just say to anybody out there who's feeling like something's not working go back and test a couple of different you know brainstorm within your team what else could you be saying how else could you be showing that how much more assertive can you push it Mm -hmm. and do a little bit of a b testing around it yeah and um consider adding a uh, what's called an exit pop-up when somebody rolls over to the navigation and they're getting ready to leave your page that one last hey are you sure <laughs> I was um, gonna ask you about that because that's my personal bugbear they drive me nuts but I've seen it done well a couple of times mm-hmm. and it, it, it can be really persuasive um do you think that's appropriate for an agency like I do and, and and I think um having a yes and a no button option is is a really good way to do it. You have to know your brand. I have um, on one of my sites, um, you know, whatever it is we're offering, it's yes, I'm ready or nah, I'd rather keep flailing by myself. And, <laughs> and, and you know, not that doesn't work for everybody. Not every not every brand has that. Uh, again, I'm from New York. I'm a little in your face. It works for me. You have to find the balance, but yes, you can do it really tastefully. Yes, no, you know, thanks, I'm not ready. You know, if if you you want that. Yeah, yeah. And I think time sensitivity is an interesting one to play with there in terms Mm -hmm. of how long something's going to be available. Mm -hmm. Um, Could be a nice little prompt if somebody's going to the exit intent. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Um, I'm, I'm kind of sensing a lot of people going, oh, I don't want that on my website. But I think, it, it, you know, if you push people to think to the extreme, then the, the other stuff might come more easily, like the mm-hmm. all caps buttons, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which one do you want to choose, guys? Um, Lorraine, I'm conscious of time. I don't want to take too much of yours. Up. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with um moving people forward in the lead generation process through conversion events and pages. My pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Just before we wrap up, I want to touch on a crucial opportunity for your agency's growth. As a creative agency, your primary focus should be on delivering exceptional work, not getting bogged down in sales and marketing. And that's where the lead flow sprint comes in. It's an eight-week program designed to streamline your lead generation process, bringing in a steady flow of potential clients to you. 
No more struggling with the ups and downs of trying to gain the attention of new business. Our program includes hands-on support, including direct input on your copywriting, ensuring a bespoke approach to your lead generation needs. No more feeling stuck in the feast or famine cycle. Our real-time support, including direct feedback on tasks like copywriting, helps you to bid farewell to inconsistently and embrace a lead generation system that's tailored to your unique needs. Visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra.